You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 128. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelan Levin and Pontus Böckman. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! Now, Andras is with us for once. Where are you now? Back in Canada? Yes, I'm in the capital of Canada in Ottawa. Uh, Yeah, amazing. After a a night out with uh, Ottawa skeptics. Um, So, ooh, how did that go? If my voice sounds a bit strange, is because um, I didn't sleep much. For one thing, Uh, Uh, who needs sleep? yeah anyways there are other people sleeping on the other side of this wall uh and they are from my group so i really don't want to wake them up um <laughs> otherwise they'll leave a bad review about the tour guide and then you're gonna do <laughs> yeah oh well I'm, I'm not worried that much about that but uh okay. still right. the other thing is that uh because of me working um it's yeah. it's a quite an early morning but unfortunately, um, I might have to step out, uh, at some point. So, uh, probably in the middle of, middle of, of the recording. So, uh, we might end up not having me towards the end of the show. Um, well, well, we're grateful the for the little part of you that we can get. Done, ha ha ha. So since, since we're here, um, uh, we, uh, we, we'd like to talk about a couple of things. First of all, we do have uh, um, Norbert Aust from GVOP joining us in a couple of minutes uh, to talk about the latest homeopathy challenge. But there are a couple of other things to talk about, so let's start with those. I can't, ha- can't help but mention Stephen Hawking's uh, final burial ceremony that took place a couple of days ago in Westminster Abbey in mm. London. So, uh, I, I just heard it, uh, um, saw it in the news and, and read about it and it really moved me. I think it's, uh, it's a great thing that he will be resting among those great names and great people like Isaac Newton and Charles Darwin. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. <laughs> and, uh, it's really an uplifting thing to, to read about how many people attended it. Uh, mm-hmm. And not only scientists, but 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 actors, um, other celebrities, and and lots of people with uh, the 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 same condition that he suffered from, and uh, the uh, of, uh, different uh, kinds of motor neuron disease. And did you know that there was a worldwide ballot that attracted twenty five thousand applications, and the outcome of that was uh, that a thousand members of the public from around the world could attend the the burial wow it's really cool did you hear as well that they are sending his iconic voice with with some message towards uh, the nearest black hole yeah yeah that's also really i mean it's a symbolic gesture only but it's fun yeah yeah so uh rest in peace among those giants professor hawking uh i think your ashes are where they belong Mm, right in the scientist's corner uh, it's called <laughs> the scientist's corner <laughs> the scientist there's corner. like a naughty corner but also there's a scientist's corner <laughs> yeah, yeah although in a very religious place but okay fine yeah for an atheist it's a bit bit weird but yeah 
whatever. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> no, before we go into the the regular news items, I've looked. We talked about measles a lot, and we talked mm. about the last regular episode that we it was time to do. You know, a little bit of a overview Update. of where we are now because it's been a while. So I, I looked into this, and and we've talked before that we have so far this year we have over twenty thousand cases in Ukraine alone. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I looked into, but Ukraine is not the EU. So I l- looked into the EU. You go to the ECDC, the European Center for Disease Control, and they publish all kinds of data with some delay, though. So th- these numbers are from end of April, mm-hmm. but it's the latest that they have released. The short story is within EU, we've had uh, about uh, 10,000 cases so far in the first four months with... Uh, the bad four, as I call them now, <laughs> Rom- <laughs> Romania, France, Greece, and Italy, all above a thousand each. And Romania, it's actually almost 4,000 just in Romania. Ooh. And there is a reason why it's those four countries, because the ECDC also has released a, a map or a information about the vaccination rates in the EU. And this is even more delayed. So this is from 2016, but it was recently released. And there are only four countries in EU where the vaccination rate was below 84%. Let me guess, France, Italy, Romania... And And Greece, exactly, (laughs) exactly. 17 other countries were below 95%, which is the threshold where you can say that you have the, uh, the disease under control. And only seven countries were on or above uh, 95%. Yeah. <laughs> this is bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is, but the, the numbers really add up. I mean, yeah. it makes sense, all of it. Yes. And one more uh, piece of statistics. As of mid-June in Romania alone, there's been 20 deaths Jeez. from measles. Yeah. So it's not a harmless disease. It is not. It is definitely not. So uh, there is something to be done. Yeah. Well, spreading good information, I guess, one thing. But um, yeah, you can only do so much. You you can take horse to water, but you know what I mean. And get those fucking vaccines. Yes. <laughs> you can take the horse to water and get it vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, we mentioned um, that Norbert Aus will be on the show, uh, who will be talking about the 50k homeopathy challenge. So we recorded a short interview with him. Um, and uh, yeah, let's move on to that. On last week's episode, we talked about uh, a couple of things uh, happening at Skepcon in Germany, uh, which is the, the, the largest skeptical uh, event in uh, the country. And among those, there was word of uh, the new 50,000 euro homeopathy challenge in, introduced by the GVUP and uh, Homeopathy Information Network. And here with us today to explain uh, what it really is and how it came about is Norbert Aust, who's a mechanical engineer and a former re- uh, head of research and development. And, um, of course, uh, one of the founders of Homeopathy Information Network in Germany. Uh, Norbert, welcome to the show. Oh, welcome to all of you. Great to have you. <laughs> so it's um, um, just quickly, could you uh, please explain us uh, what this uh, 50k homeopathy challenge is and how it came about? Well, uh, homeopathy is deeply rooted in Germany. 
And when you discuss homeopathy, uh, you dis very often come in, in front of people that are not very knowledgeable, knowledge, uh, they don't know very much about science. So, um, mm -hmm. and they come up with, okay, what science says is one thing and what's happening in real life is another. And, uh, well, uh, that you scientists don't understand homeopathy doesn't mean it doesn't work. So uh, we wanted to open our minds and say, okay, then prove in your non-scientific ways uh, that we skeptics are wrong. And that is, please, uh, if you can identify homeopathic, uh, homeopathic remedies and uh, identify which is the mother tincture of those, then, uh, then okay, uh, we are contradicted. Yeah. And uh, use mm -hmm. any method that you want to, be it scientifically recognized or not, just come up with a proper result. And uh, to to make it a little bit interesting, we uh, found a sponsor who is offering this 50,000k euros uh, as a prize money to gain some interest in it. Yeah. Where does this money come from? This is a private person who is sponsoring it, uh, who prefers to be anonymous. Mm -hmm. It's not pharma, big pharma industry, <laughs> and this person is not involved with pharma or, or doctor anyway. I'm sure somebody will claim that anyway. So They do. They can believe me or they can't, <laughs> whatever <laughs> they want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so th the reason we think that they will not be able to, to identify these different remedies or separate them is that the, the whole principle is that you dilute the original substance yes. so much so there's basically nothing left in it is that correct that's correct you yeah. know from the scientific from our understanding in a c30 potency that's about one gram of mass uh, to 10,000 times the mass of the universe um, <laughs> this is not to be recognized all the uh, homeopathic remedies in high potency are the same outside of some random contamination, of course. But the, basically, it's sugar or the any substrate with the residuum of uh, shaken water. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you cannot distinguish them. If the homeopaths can, we are contradicted. But we think this task is impossible to solve. Yeah. But it would be great if they could, you know, not great, but it would be fantastic if they could, because then yes, we would could. have to, then we would have to change our minds. Yes, we would have to change our minds. And, you know, um, uh, our sponsor would be very, very happy if uh, one time a Nobel laureate in Oslo or in Stockholm announces, uh, well, this, his research was started by this challenge that was ushered in uh, <laughs> 2018 by the GWUP, which showed all the physics is wrong and we have to find completely new solutions. Yeah. And what um, struck me really uh, at first when I saw this is uh, the simplicity of the challenge itself, so that you don't really have to uh, negotiate all the the, diff the the protocols that you have to go through to prove their point, or, or they have to go through, so that you establish the the, the baselines for for the the test to be fair. Yes, yes. We deliver some some uh, probes, and you say what it is. And uh, and uh, that is okay. If the uh, result is true, is if it's real, okay, we have to change our minds. And on top of this, 
we come as near as to the homeopaths as possible. You see, the homeopath in question uh, can select which remedies he wants to use. Uh, and he mm -hmm. can just select remedies that are f as far away from each other, so as easy to pro produce symptoms or whatever he wants to be. And mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, the participant evenly can uh, say, this is the time that I will be needing up to half a year. So uh, yeah. we do it as, as becoming to the homeopathic thinking as we can. Yeah, that's really good. Did you have any applications yet? Uh, no, not real applications. I have some uh, questions about uh, about these uh, things, how it's going on. Uh, we have uh -huh. a website going on, uh, especially for this challenge. I will give you the uh, the link uh, by, by email. And there is a short corner with all the uh, status messages that we have, with how many people looked up the uh, challenge and how many people had requests and so on. But we still have no real application. Hmm. And mm. deep in my heart, I doubt if we ever will have. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty important thing, I think, to mention here on this show. Um, what the requirements are in order to for someone to um apply and and how it's done who do, do they need to contact and uh, because if someone listening to this show might know someone who who's mm -hmm. a potential applicant so would you mind telling us that okay so uh, there there are a few steps to simple steps to take um First of all, all the data and all this, what I'm telling you now, is on our website, and I will provide you with the links uh, to Perfect. to have it in the in writing below your podcast. And uh, uh, the first thing is the applicant must uh, name three different remedies and give us these uh, these names uh, that, uh, and we provide twelve probes, uh, twelve bottles with each. Uh, in each bottle, one of the three remedies that the uh, applicant named. Uh, the uh, blinding and randomization is done by a sworn in notary so that there is no hampering of our side with the, with the uh, specimen. Then the applicant can do whatever he wants to do with the, with the probes and has to come up with a solution and name at least at from 11 out of the 12 properly identify the what's in there what's the mother tincture of the um, of the material that, that's in there the testing and the results we be, will be disclosed at Würzburg University and uh, if the uh, applicant is right in this first part GWUP will pay uh, the stay in Würzburg for at least up to two persons up to 500 euros then we, uh, together with the solution, the applicant must provide a description of how he done it. And this is for us the important thing, how he done it. Then we have mm -hmm. a second part and uh, we will provide another 12 bottles with the remedies inside. Either new remedies, uh, that is other material, other mother tinctures from the same supplier or um, the same material from other suppliers. And in this way, we want to have to repeat the applicant to once again 
identify 11 out of the 12 remedies in these bottles. And we want mm -hmm. to verify that he used this method he described earlier. Mm. So how okay. this will be done is depending on what the method is. And uh, finally, if he comes up with a second time with the 11 right solutions, then he will be liable for the price to gain uh, 50,000 euro. And I have to say, it's only one time that we are going to pay. Only the first, only the fastest guy <laughs> who comes up with a solution will <laughs> yeah. be liable to get the money. Yeah, cool. How, just, a, just a quick one. How are you advertising this? Um, are you Have you got like a marketing campaign, you know, on in the media or somewhere? Oh, well, we, we tried. Uh, we uh, came out, we, we published it in our GWUP uh, meeting in the SCEPCON. Mm -hmm. And I hoped we would gain some press coverage, but unfortunately, we did not. So uh, we are just figuring out how we can improve the, the, the coverage of the media. Mm -hmm. So just mm -hmm. now I'm spreading the news and uh, contacting all the homeopathy um, um, associations that I know of worldwide. And I asked all the skeptic organizations to name other ones. And I'm contacting directly people that I know that are involved with homeopathy that are a little bit prominent, like uh, Peter Fisher or any other. The Queen's, Queen's homeopathy. Uh, even Dana Ullmann and all this stuff we are going to contact. I did contact them already to join our competition. Mm. So does that mean that it's open to others outside Germany as well? Yes, yes, so yes it's, it's international. It's, a, it's international. And, um, Perfect. Uh, I submitted a manuscript to the Skeptical Inquirer, hoping it will be published. And uh, re recently in Spain, uh, a translation of this article is uh, will be published in their, uh, in their pamphlet. Well... Thank you very much for for sharing all that with us, and uh, we wish you all the success in this uh, in this kind of project. Whatever this success is, huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Be sure to let us know so we can revisit this when there is a development. Yeah, okay. please keep us posted. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, okay. And uh, and by the way, congratulations on uh, what you do with the uh, Homeopathy Information Network. It's amazing, and uh, we we hope to have uh, more English uh, material uh, uh, in the future, so that we can spread it across the uh, yes. the, uh, the universe and Europe. <laughs> Thanks for your kind appreciation, and have a nice day. Yeah, you, you too. too. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye, -bye. And now, I think we shall crack on with the show, uh, with the regular segments. And why don't we start with Yelena talking about uh, something uh, of relevance to skepticism this week. Righty-ho. I want to talk about somebody who was born on the 19th of June, back in 1795. Uh, he was a Scottish surgeon and scientist. And he is named a father of hypnotism as well, on top of everything else he's done. Mm. And hypnotherapy. By the way, talking about what shall we do about the uh, vaccinations and how we get people to vaccinate, maybe we should just hypnotize them all. Anyway, just an idea. Sure, that works. <laughs> so he came ac across hypnosis by uh, pure chance, and uh, he wasn't interested in it uh, to begin with. Obviously, he was a doctor and a surgeon. 
Um, but he was taken to one of the seances of uh, what they used to call mesmerist seances that were performed in the 1800s as a form of entertainment. And it wasn't anything scientific about it that would call people on stage and, you know, show um, what happens to them. And he didn't believe, as a true scientist and skeptic, he didn't uh, believe that there's, a, there's anything in it. Um, however, um, after attending a couple of those, he got convinced that um, actually... There was something in there, and so much so that uh, when uh, he attended um, one of the seances afterwards, he decided to do his own experiment on some of the people who he knew. As a true <laughs> scientist, although I strongly disagree with his method, but, you know, he proves the point, he uh, proceeded um, to jam a pin underneath a girl's fingernail who was hypnotized. Um, and... I know, right? Uh, just talking about it makes me go, ooh. But he found her completely anesthetized to what would normally would have been a, an absolutely excruciating, uh, painful injury. So therefore, he was forced to recognize there was a genuine and noteworthy transformation uh, that has occurred in, his, in her head. And he proceeded to uh, research further what the reasons might be. On top of everything else, he has been known to also uh, very passionately debunk all sorts of pseudoscience and um, various placebo therapies, including something called subtle energy treatment, which which was what mesmerism was all about, magnets, crystal, homeop homeopathy, uh, etc., but so after studying hypnosis, um, he came up with treatments that actually worked. And uh, as far as I know now, to be honest with you, I'm a bit skeptical of hypnosis myself and I haven't read enough to know either way. But his, um, his methods of exploring hypnosis seem to be genuinely scientific and he has followed the scientific path. So there might be something in it. However, I think it hasn't been uh, developed enough um, and there should be more uh, done studies done around it. So here we go. That's um, James Braid and uh, his um, hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay, thanks very much, Ilan. All right. Why don't we move on to talk about news items? That's so cool. Every, every single time. Okay. And why don't we start with, um, the topic that has been introduced by our short interview, our short interview with Norbert Aust, and that is homeopathy. And in the UK, uh, the, the latest developments, are uh, pretty amazing uh, with regards to the British Homeopathy Association uh, legal challenge being rejected by the High Court. So what was that legal challenge? Do you remember that um, last year the NHS, the, the National Health Service, issued um, a guidance to um, get rid of prescriptions for ineffective, unsafe or low clinical priority treatments? Mm -hmm. Yes. And among those, there is homeopathy, of course. <laughs> and, uh, to, for, for the NHS to be able to save a lot of money. Obviously, the British Homeopathic Association, the BHA, challenged that and le there was a legal challenge. But the legal challenge was dismissed. This was rejected by the High Court, um, decisively. So that means that they can get back on track with, with this initiative of getting rid of the, the absolute bogus stuff. And uh, what's even cooler than that, uh, on the, NH the um, NHS England site website, there is a quote from Simon Stevens, who's the, the chief of uh, the National Health Service, 
And that goes, there is no robust evidence to support homeopathy, which is at best a placebo and a misuse of scarce NHS funds. So, we strongly welcome the High Court's clear-cut decision to kick out this costly and spurious legal challenge. Cool. Here, here. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Um, so this is another good news that I've got for you guys. Uh, we are on a good news streak and it's uh, coming from Ireland and Ireland uh, is to vote on removing blasphemy as an offense. Yay, Ireland. Uh, they Finally. Will, they will hold a re- um, mm-hmm. It's been reported that they will hold a referendum in October to remove it as, a, uh, as an offense from its constitution. And um, the Irish government has approved the preparation of a bill to remove it as part of a commitment to constitutional reforms. So the referendum probably will be held on the same day as the presidential election in Ireland. So we, we've all probably been following the news about the uh, abortion referendum, which was a milestone on a path to change um, for a country that was once one of the Europe's most socially conservative a few decades ago. So well done, Ireland. And uh, um, if... Um, you're listening to our show regularly. We have reported on a case of uh, Stephen Fry, who has been prosecuted uh, in Ireland uh, for blasphemy by say, saying uh, that he remarked that God was selfish, stupid, and quite certainly maniac. And that charge at the time was dropped. Mm-hmm. So it's great now to see that, in fact, the whole um, blasphemy offence will be uh, removed altogether. We will see. I mean, Be- we will see how the vote well, goes. Of course. F- fingers crossed, because that's what sceptics do. But uh, yes, I'm happy, <laughs> I'm happy to know that it's at least that's where they, they want to be. So, you know, mm-hmm. the intent okay. is there. The next item is uh, neither good or bad, I think, just interesting. There's a Swedish new <laughs> study <laughs> published in the journal Education Inquiry, mm-hmm. uh, finding that critical thinking requires factual knowledge uh, in that particular topic. Well, it means that just because you are a good critical thinker in one area, mm-hmm. you may not be able to always apply the same skills in, an ad- in another area where you don't have all the, the facts. So it's interesting because we as skeptics, we always or we often say you need to teach uh, students critical thinking. But this study tends to show that that's not enough. You also need to teach them the facts. You you can't be a critical thinker unless you have the facts. So interesting. Facts matter. uh, And uh, that's good. I like facts. So I don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. But it's not a separate thing. Well, that's that's very interesting indeed, because I thought that critical thinking is like a tool that you then apply in your day-to-day life, but actually maybe that's not enough. Perhaps, but perhaps not. But I should also say that this was a small study, only yeah. uh, 76 individual students in the study. Yeah. So uh, more, more research is needed. Yeah. Um, back to the UK, where... Um Professor Edzadernst, whose work we admire a lot, caught another very interesting, very interesting item. This time, it's how some homeopaths, and actually, uh, we do know for a fact that there are a lot of them, are against vaccination. And uh, they obviously try to put that in a packaging that uh, seems like just a liberal kind of attitude towards uh, medicine. And uh, that, that is when they go, the decision to vaccinate and how you implement that decision is yours and yours alone, as they say. Yeah, it shouldn't be. But uh, there is this uh, Grace da Silva Hill, who 
uh, has um, a homeopathic practice in the UK and uh, seems to be into stuff uh, like... Uh, so a lo lot of weird uh, things that they try to use uh, homeopathy for. And um, among those, there are... Um, um, he goes, I mean, Edward Ernst goes into quoting a couple of lines uh, from one of the, uh, her articles. And uh, it turns out that they are arguing against vaccinations. It, it is it is not definitive, but again, it, it looks like they are uh, suggesting not to vaccinate while uh, legally trying to cover their bases by saying what I just said, this, this quote, that uh, the decision to vaccinate and how you implement that decision is yours and yours alone. Fuck you. Mm. It, it's not surprising because, first of all, they are not based <laughs> in science. And second of all, they have alternatives that they want to push instead. So yeah, fully exactly. expected, but still terrible. All right. Well, staying in the realm of, of pseudoscience, let's talk about osteopathy. Osteopathy doesn't get as much publicity uh, for being a pseudoscience as homeopathy, in my opinion. But there is now a German website that, that does something similar to osteopathy as the um, uh, German homeopathy network does for the homeopathy, obviously. And uh, they try to debunk the claims that osteopathy is as a valid uh, form of treatment. So this German website, for, for which we will include the link uh, to, and actually, which if you translate it via Google Translate, translates really well. Uh, it really worked mm -hmm. for me. Talks about the, uh, the fact that osteopathy is just as empty... As, as homeopathy, it, it doesn't work, and in some cases it can be dangerous. As always, um, it talks about how it started, that, it's, that it was invented by this guy called Andrew Taylor Still, and um, he claimed, this is how you know something is not right, that this um, osteopathy treatment treats all the illnesses, and it's, it's, yeah, good, yeah. it's good for everything and, and, and anything under the That's sun. That's a big red flag there. Yeah, you should, you should be <laughs> skeptical about that. So yes, the 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 manip osteopathy manipulation of the bones and joints, etc. Uh, we've we've read, or, or I've read. I certainly can talk to myself about the instances where, when it was very ha harmful, it needs to be talked about as as being a pseudoscience and, a, and an alternative uh, therapy treatment that that um, doesn't really produce results. Well done on starting these this, uh, websites, and uh, we will link to it um, and uh, continue great work. Good. Okay, let's go to Serbia. As we've already said today, uh, measles is not a harmless disease, and there's currently a story that uh, that uh, making the round in the social media to illustrate just that. It's This is just an anecdote, but sometimes you really need that to show examples of what can happen. There is a mother in Serbia who had a two-year-old daughter who, due to medical conditions, could not be vaccinated against measles. And this daughter was treated for other conditions at a hospital when she was briefly exposed to another patient with measles. And she caught the disease and she suffered for three months before she eventually died from complications after the measles, among other things, sepsis, which is a terrible way to go. But the news is that her mother has now decided to release her story to raise awareness, along with pictures of her daughter in various stages of, this, of her sickness. And it's not easy to look at these 
pictures as a parent I, I i i can hardly look at it but it is important to repeat the message that measles is not a light childhood disease as promoters of alternative <sighs> treatments will claim indeed and it also points out it's that it's not just for yourself that you get the vaccination it's also for others like for this child who couldn't get vaccinated <laughs> yeah sad news yeah it is I've got sad news from Hungary too. Oh, you probably are all, um, including our listeners, uh, all sick and tired of me trying to bash the government of Hungary. But uh, they're at it again, and uh, this time, uh, big time, really big time, when it comes to science, because they are attacking the Hungarian Academy of Sciences right now. Mm-hmm. And the way they try to try to do that attack is uh, trying to gain access and control over the research institutions run by the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. Now, I have to tell you that this large institution, the largest scientific body of the of Hungary of the of the greatest prestige, is funded by the government and it has always been like that. But uh, that doesn't mean that it's not independent when it comes to conducting research and how they fund the actual research because the redevelopment, the redistribution of the funds is up to them, up to the leadership of the academy. Now, this is about to change if the law passes that they introduced because uh, they seem to be after half of the budget, which is about 25 billion forints, that equals to about 78 uh, million euros. And that is half of the budget, the yearly budget of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. And uh, what they try to do is that they try to allocate the distribution, redistribution of that amount from the academy to the Ministry of Innovation and Technology that has recently been introduced as a new ministry and is led by Laszlo Polkovic, who is, by the way, a member of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. But that's just a side note. Um, so they introduce this ministry, this new ministry, possibly to be in complete control of the nationally funded uh, research and innovation uh, project. So... Uh, from my point of view and from a lot of other people's point of view and especially from the science's point of view it's probably just another way of gaining control uh, complete control over everything in the country by the by the Orban government and what i can say to this is stop fiddling with science science is not your realm please get out of mm. this <laughs> it's it's just stay out of this please yeah. <sighs> well, so actually, on the, on the on this note of getting out of science and staying out of science and how government shouldn't be involved, um, our friends from ARPSAPC, which which is Society for Advancement of Critical Thinking in Spain, has written a letter to the um, Prime Minister of Spain, where they basically um outlining certain things that should be done in 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 a uh, scientific world and um, how government can help i believe their funding for the science have been uh, reduced dramatically over the past years and it's it's having an effect 
on the scientific advancement in Spain. And so they are asking for a rev revision of that. And this is just a, another example of what can be practically done in order to maybe mobilize some forces and get some attention and um, bring certain points uh, to the attention of, of those in charge. Um, hopefully this will be noticed and publicized uh, and will result in some sort of uh, positive response fr from the government um, and governing party. Because um, at the end of the day, science is there to help better society and to help, to help better lives of people. I know that we don't live in an ideal world. But we can always strive. <laughs> Definitely don't. <laughs> We're trying to make it better. Oh. Strive yeah. towards one. Yes. So um, great. Well, well done for for doing this, and uh, it's a great um, example to follow. Okay, let's go back to Sweden, where we have a follow-up of the never-ending Macchiarini scandal. So, as a reminder <laughs> for 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 our listeners. Paolo Macchiarini was a researcher at the prestigious Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, where he performed unethical experimental surgery on trachea replacements on several patients, uh, and almost all of them died as a consequence. Uh, the, the research was based on bad and fraudulent studies, and since then, the Karolinska has been working uh, on how to clean up uh, this mess. And uh, as one such effort, they recently asked the journal Respiration to retract a study published there by Macchiarini regarding his research uh, when he was there at uh, Karolinska. But amazingly, the journal has so far refused to do so, stating, among other things, that they have, and I quote, decided to leave it up to our readers to build their own opinion on the matter and decide for themselves with regard to the val validity of the conclusions. So uh, that, that's yeah. not how it's supposed to work. What, well. We can publish any, any rubbish uh, we want to and then we leave it to the readers to decide whether what is true or not. Yeah, yeah. How convenient. <laughs> Crazy. In a way, this, this is how science works, but because it, if it gets published and it's bullshit, then, uh, it, it's gonna get ripped apart by yeah. the peers. But, uh, um, well, that should happen before pre, it's published. Pre-publication peer review is, is exactly for that to, to, yeah, yeah. yeah not to publish anything. Yeah. They missed the point. Okay. Yeah. Talking about publications. Um, you know, these, uh, these, uh, packages, these small, uh, packs that, uh, uh, young mothers can get after, uh, giving birth to their, their newborns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. A little so, bit on nappies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. all these leaflets and little booklets that, sure. that, uh, that, uh, give you all the advice that you need for, for being a good parent and stuff. Yeah. Now, okay, obviously this is, this is a habit and this is a very, uh, widespread and common in Hungary as well. But uh, it has recently been found that in one of those... Okay, there are several different companies uh, putting the, back together these packages. And in one of these packages that is called uh, a baby package, uh, a very interesting piece of uh, publication has been found, which is, um, which is published by someone who, uh, under the name Homeo Mom. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the title is... Simple homeopathy for babies and moms. Oh. And uh, even though 
Uh, we do know that it has recently been, uh, well, not that recently, been ma- made known to everyone outside the world that uh, homeopathy is bullshit. It's it doesn't work. It's and it's been really concluded by science. It uh, unfortunately doesn't stop these people from um, from uh, uh, pu- publishing this material. And imagine that if that happens to every single mom in Hungary, that means. They are being anointed with this massive load of bullshit. And it's been reviewed by homeopathic doctors. And uh, there are a couple of well-known ones among them. So it adds credibility uh, to, to this whole thing in the eyes of uh, of these mums. So it's terrible. And it's endorsed by the, the Ministry of uh, Human Capacities. So thank you very much. Uh, hmm. This is yet another example of how bullshit is being spread in Hungary, with the the special aid of the Hungarian government. Why why can't they, they use the same channel channels to spread good information for crying out bloody loud? Because they don't care about good information. Oh God, sad. Okay. All right. So I I believe this has been all the in the news item that we wanted to cover. So uh why don't we move on to uh our recently introduced new segment that is called Pontus Pokes the Pope. BBP. Let's get poking. <laughs> all right. Pontus Pokes the Pope. Uh, the Pope was talking to um, some uh, families uh, recently and he off the cuff said uh, this regarding abortions. It is fashionable, or at least usual, that when in the first few months of a pregnancy doctors do studies to see if the child is healthy or has something, the first idea is, let's send it away, the Pope said. Uh, and then he continued, we do the same as the Nazis to maintain the purity of the race, but we do it with white gloves on. Oh. So. What <laughs> is the actual The F? Pope. The Pope. He, he says that abortion is like what the Nazis did. So basically he's comparing poor mothers who probably mm. also mm-hmm. under the risk of, of dying whilst giving birth to Nazis. Oh, well, that's very reasonable. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And that's, this is not even abortions because of other reasons, you know, social standing, you don't want the child or you've been raped or something. Yes. It's not about that. Yeah. This it's is about, b- yeah. by children who are not healthy or have some sort of problem. And he says, no, you should have that baby because he should uh, have those babies. I he should have those babies. Otherwise, he's standing, like the Nazi. Yeah. I can't see, <laughs> I can't see him uh, queuing to, to help all these poor mothers. No, exactly. Yeah. He can only... he, he's a real good guy for family planning, this guy. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's never been married, as I see. <laughs> yeah, but he used to have a girlfriend. Oh, oh really? Yeah, That's yeah. fine. Yeah, what happened to her? Well, let's not go into that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, wow. therefore, I say, as I always do, the Pope is wrong and he needs to be poked. <laughs> Terrible. I like this newly introduced segment. He he has no <laughs> connection to reality whatsoever. He's completely removed from real life, this Pope. Anyway. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Thanks very much, uh, Pontus. But mm-hmm. I do think that's not all that you have up your sleeve. Uh, are you going to hit us with a really wrong as well? I will. So, do you feel bad and depressed about the ongoing climate change? Yeah. Then this may be something for you. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> but if you're depressed about it, this is the thing for you. It's uh, there is a course called Be Change, which teaches you how to cope with your climate depression. Oh, oh uh, through mental exercises, you are taught to strengthen your hope for the future and lessen your concern and climate anxiety. Sounds right. good, right? right. <laughs> yeah. This course has now received almost a million Swedish kroner. It's about 100,000 euros from the Swedish Environmental Protection Agency through an initiative that they call the Climate Leap. They also received uh, backing from the Swedish International Development Corporation Agency, which is a long name to say, and also some of the local communes in Sweden to develop this program and to offer it to public servants and also to members of the public. The course uh, also reportedly offers tips and tricks on how to lower your CO2 footprint. Well, that sounds good, of course. They say you could probably uh, uh, lessen your footprint by up to five tons per person per year for participants. And that's quite sensational because the CO2 footprint per capita in Sweden was 3.8 tons in 2015. So you can actually reduce it more than you have. So, uh, Wouldn't so that that's be pretty interesting. That's pretty course. good. It's like making it uh, better, so the environment cleaner. Yeah, you, you could with with that. Uh, you could reverse the whole the whole yeah. process. <laughs> yeah, you absorb CO two from the from the uh, environment cool directly into be? you. Uh, it seems good. So that's a good. Uh, thing for Swedish uh, agencies to to invest money in, right? <laughs> you yeah. think they're wrong? I think they may be wrong. So uh, <laughs> for wasting money on what sounds like new agey and even fraudulent nonsense, the Climate Leap Initiative gets today's prize for being really wrong. <laughs> and deservedly so. <laughs> Thank you very much, Francis. Crazy Pontus. stuff. Yeah. yeah, it is crazy stuff. Well, not everything is so good in Sweden, is it? <laughs> uh, okay. So, to conclude the show, I think there is only one thing left for us to do. And that is uh, Yelena presenting us a uh, good quote. Today's quote is from Galileo Galilei, who was an Italian polymath. Um, yeah. He said that long experience has taught me this about the status of mankind with regard to matters requiring thought. The less people know and understand about them, the more positively they attempt to argue concerning them, while on the other hand, to know and understand a multitude of things renders men cautious in passing judgment upon anything new. Ooh. Was he on to the Dunning-Kruger effect already? That's, that's what, what that's great. brought to I didn't mind. know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so let's let's take that in and not pass judgment. <laughs> Hastingly. Yeah, please. All right. Anyways. Well, I'm so happy I could actually make it through the whole episode without having to step out. So uh, I'd like to join both of you. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> well, that won't happen. I already have. Uh, so, so, um, yeah. So, I'd like to um, thank both of you for allowing me to join you today. <laughs> well, for this episode. For this time, it was okay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> and uh, let us thank our listeners as well for joining us and uh, for tuning in. 
And until next week, when I have no idea whether I'll be able to record, goodbye. 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 Paka paka. Paka paka. Oh, that was, that was supposed to be me. I keep forgetting. Let's say, I'll start again. Paka paka. Paka paka, Yelena. Sziasztok. Okay. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Uh, sorry, Hall? sorry. Can you rephrase that? Because it sounded like the challenge was not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Silly me. Rest in peace, Professor Do- uh, Hawking. No, Dawkins not. So. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Because you guys always talk about Sweden and Hungary and I'm not... Yeah, enough focus. Focus. Uh, sorry. Okay, so, uh, what the hell is on? Up your sleeve. Oh, up your sleeve. Uh, what, what did I say? On your sleeve. No, no, no. You can, oh, so you can have lunch on your sleeve. But <laughs> let, let, let me do that again. <laughs>